Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Kelly Franco Troop. This is episode 288 on the network. Uh, very excited to, for the show today. We, we have Kelly every two weeks here. Uh, always well prepared for the show. Uh, tons of great show notes, so you've got a great one in store today. But before we get going, just want to thank our 50,000 plus subscribers uh, for supporting us. Make sure you give this show five stars, uh, write some great comments in the notes for us, and we'll keep bringing you great content like we do every week on this show. Because of your efforts, uh, and I always say we have a very sophisticated audience, and these shows are for you. You have uh, helped us become a part of iHeartRadio's new podcast network, so thank you so much for that. We'll keep giving you the same quality we do we did before we were part of that distinction. You can still stream us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher, but we're trying to drive as much as we can to iHeart right now to prove our worth to them. Again, as we continue to battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like we do in baseball. So with that, Kelly, welcome to your show, A Date in October. It's good to be back. How are things? Things are going well. Things are going well. New, as we talked before the show, um, same same uh, structure, trying to just provide this uh, real content to our listeners, uh, You know, keep them up to date on everything. We have a, a great group of hosts like yourself for the show and Making sure that we're catering to the people that support us. So, um, yeah, nothing different today. We've got, we've got a. If I can can preset our audience here, we've got a little bit of nine eleven recollection. Uh, some obviously a terrible moment in time uh, in history, but we had uh, baseball come through and, and and help us through. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and obviously the playoffs are upon us, uh, or you know the participation the participation tournament, as we should probably call it. And then we have a special guest on at the end of the show. I, I, I don't even want to ask if she, I'm, I'm, she's going to show up at the end, but I'm assuming she got coerced a little bit into this. Uh, I'll, I'll be at her position within the, the firm. So we'll, we'll hear what she's got to say at the end about that. But, uh, but that will let you get started with your, with your, uh, your initial topic. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I thought today um, as our opener in the top of the first, we would just reflect for a moment because last week I was feeling reflective about 9-11. We had the 22nd anniversary of the darkest day in American history during my lifetime. And we all have a story of where we were and how we heard about it. And I'm in the tri-state area up here in New York. So I had neighbors who didn't come home at the end of that day. And it's just, it's always a hard time, you know, but like you said, baseball was there for us. And we shake our, our fist at the clouds sometimes at how the games change and we get mad about some of the changes in the game. But I got to say one thing's for sure, when we need it, baseball is there for us. So you got to tip your cap. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, everybody, baseball is Americana. And I often think, and and this is the conspiracy theorist in me. And I, I say to our other hosts too, so I'll share it with you. I sometimes think the powers to be in baseball currently are almost trying to get us to hate the game. And I refuse to do it. Um, I'll continue to battle some of the nuances in it that I don't like, but love the game of baseball. Um, it's it's uh, not to quote Sammy Sosa, but it has been very good to me uh, as well. But uh, at that time, I was I was actually a young college coach in, in the state of Alabama. Um during the time that happened, which shows you how monomaniacal college coaches are um, and coaches in general, uh, we we weren't allowed to stop uh, because that was the, the contact period. In fact, I think I was in, if I remember right, I was on my way to Indiana and flights were shut down, obviously. So I had to hop in a, in a rental car and drive there because we had home visits lined up with kids. And it uh, seems a little, when, you, when I reflect back on it, it seems a little... Uh, uh, well, I guess I'll use monomaniacal. I was going to use a little bit sick that, you know, you get that caught up in, in that, that world. But, uh, as we watch from afar now and I'm removed from that in a lot of ways, uh, it, it gives a little insight into how coach the coaching profession, you have to be in it almost. And there's, there's no other, uh, there's nothing that can prepare people for, for that type of lifestyle. 
and that's why I, I admire just how much these guys sacrifice from a coaching standpoint. Uh, but again, my, my, uh, I remember being on the road for 12 days and the first time I was in an airplane after that, very scary. Um, wasn't comfortable sitting on there. And I remember sitting in business class and there was a big group of, uh, I think they were police officers, state troopers, municipal workers in that capacity, big, strong guys tapped us on the shoulders, a bunch of coaches up there and said, Hey, listen, we're not trying to snake seats off you guys, but everybody looks a little nervous. We're all a little uneasy, but if you gladly change seats with us, uh, we will sit right in front of the captain's door there. And I guarantee you, nobody's going to get to that door uh, today. So you guys will be safe. So with that, we changed seats with them. We put them up there. Uh, they were on their way to a softball tournament, I think in uh, Florida, but uh, they announced to the, to, to the to cabin that uh, anybody has any plans of getting up to that front, not going to happen today. So um, that made us feel safe for that one flight anyway. Wow, that's quite a story. But then you had to go sit back and coach. I'm okay with that. I uh, I'd, I'd much rather be uh, peace of mind than uh, than uh, sitting in business class for that. So we were we were happy to to oblige for that. Was a, I thought it was a pretty fair trade. Well, I was going to say I I didn't know that as a coach you got to sit up in business class. I've been doing the wrong thing here as an attorney. I still fly and coach. Oh well, depending upon what level you're at. When I was at the Power Five level, we we flew private. Um, it's all based on revenue generated. You have your budgets based on the revenue you generate for the university, and uh, you, you, well, not always. I, I won't get into that part. That'll that that'll take us down a, a uh, another into another arena. But when you generate revenue, you uh, you have you have certain perks with that. So yeah, there were uh, times when I was at the Power Five level where we. We had to recruit in New York. You got on the private plane and you, you, you flew to New York and you flew back that night. And uh, it's a, uh, I would say it's a, it's a world that's hard to describe, but the money that flows through athletics, the money that's generated is, is unreal at the college level. So, um, you know, that's, that was that. But yeah, easy trade-off for me. That was at the mid-major level. So that was, a, that was probably my bonus points that allowed me to get up in the, in the business class at that point because mid-major level, you're not flying. You're flying coach like everybody else. So, um, yeah, but, uh, but your, your 9-11 recollection, you, you, you had uh, some memories of what went on in New York from a baseball standpoint. I did. And I remember being very thirsty for baseball to come back because baseball was going to be a distraction um, from just the kind of the horror that we were living with every day. And 10 days after 9-11, baseball was played in New York. And as I look back on it, that's truly striking. And I think there was some reminiscing that went on on some of the other shows. And so you probably discussed Piazza's fantastic uh, two-run homer against the Braves in that first game back. It was it was a New York moment, and it was really special. Yeah. We actually had Mike. Mike was on the show, not last week, but when we had him on, earlier in our, our tenure, he discussed that moment as well and, and uh, the importance that was to him and more important to New York uh, when, he, when he hit the home run and they actually took the field and, you know, he he, uh, he felt that, every, you know, everybody was uneasy. You know, baseball players walk out there like, you know, they're all conquering, but they were uneasy too by his own admittance. And some of that stuff, just getting back out there in the day-to-day, they felt it was important for them, but they also knew the importance it was for the city. That was a really great episode when you had Mike Piazza on. Yeah, he, he uh, was preparing for the World Baseball Classic at the time, and very candid about his role with that. And um, but but very candid in general. In fact, we had an interesting. Uh, we somehow the conversation turned to ballet that he appeared in a ballet way back when to to connect with his daughter a little bit more. She was into the ballet and almost like clockwork. He was telling the, the wonderful story. His daughter yelled in the background if, uh, something about he, he put her shoes in the wrong place. And uh, <laughs> you know, so even, even Mike Piazza gets yelled at by his daughter sometimes. Some things are universal. Yep. Yep. And he was in Italy at the time, actually, when he did the podcast with us. He was. Uh, and he speaks Italian. He does. Yep. He's, uh, he's over there with his family. They, li- they were living there for, I think, almost two years. And uh, but that's where they were preparing. Obviously, he was the uh, skipper for the Italian team for the world baseball classic. So, um, yeah, very, very candid interview. Very, and, uh, but as we talked about nine 11, he was very open and honest about the emotions that flowed through that. And 
you know, as the then President Bush walked onto the the hill and and threw a strike, and um, you know, they all they all teased him and said, "You got to throw from the mound. And anything less would be uh, would be too soft, especially for the leader of the free world." Yeah, that was Jeter. And that was quite a moment. That was in game three of the World Series. So just um, less than two months later, W threw out that first pitch and arguably he could have thrown it out in Arizona, you know, because they were playing the Diamondbacks, but he didn't. Some people said Arizona would have been safer, but he said no, New York. And I think that him throwing out that first pitch was one of his finest moments because I think he exemplified leadership and unity and yeah, a little bit of humility because there was that story that went around that Jeter said to him in the dugout, you know, Hey, you can't throw that from in front of the mound. You got to stand on the mound because this is New York and you're going to get booed. And And he threw a strike. He did with a bulletproof vest on, which, uh, which is very restricting. So no, I, I give that a lot of credit, not not just coming out there and throwing the first pitch, but going out there knowing that, you know, even though I'm sure he was very well protected, that uh, that's a fairly wide open environment uh, for him, him to be in. So now we, we talked a little bit, and this, is, this also happened on 9-11, and we don't have to go too far down this road if you don't want, but there was, there's been a lot of events in baseball, historical events that happened last week and this week. And we tried to reminisce about them on the show as well. People forget Pete Rose broke Ty Cobb's record on September 11th, 1985. And, um, across baseball, not a mention of it, uh, this year. And I, I don't remember last year if they did or not as well, but Tal Ripken Jr. broke, uh, Lou Gehrig's record. He, he, he broke it, but he stopped the streak this past week. Not a mention across baseball, not celebrated at all, not even at the Orioles game. And, uh, you know, that, that, that part bothers me, you know, as, as we're reminiscing about the past today, about, you know, American history and baseball's place in it, that bothered me as I watched that across baseball uh, this past week, that historical moments, positive historical moments like that as well, that where regardless of what people think about anybody individually as a player, uh, those those two things should be celebrated as well. I mean, did you did you catch that at all, or did did that? On Twitter, I saw I think some mention of Cal Ripken's the anniversary of Cal Ripken's streak ending. I don't recall seeing anything about Pete Rose, but it also makes me think. And this obviously was not a September 11th anniversary thing, but. When I think of history in baseball, I think about Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak in 1941 because World War II had started and we weren't involved yet, but we were on the brink of involvement. And he brought the country together at a time when the world was torn apart. And I have spoken with some people from that time. I remember speaking with Bob Creamer. I don't know if you remember that name, but he wrote some baseball books and he was much older than I was, but he was um, my pal for a little while. And he said that when DiMaggio's streak was going, that you could be standing in line at the bank or getting your shoes shined or whatever, and you could talk to the stranger next to you. You could just say, did he get a hit yesterday? And they would know what you were talking about. And I always thought that was just a really neat thing. And another example of baseball bringing people together. Yeah, but even DiMaggio streak or, you know, they, I guess it's more of my um, dissatisfaction with baseball where there's, they're not, they're not appreciating the historical context or the, just how monumental those type of things are, whether that was, isolated to baseball or it had a place in history like DiMaggio's that at the time of the world war that, I mean, not to mention like, you know, you think in Baltimore, they'd have them scheduled to Cal Ripken to come back every day or every year on that day and throw out the first pitch or everybody wear number eight for the Orioles, something from a marketing standpoint, even if they didn't care about it, but just say, Hey, we can make, we can make a little money off of this, but yeah, not to mention I mean, that, that makes me, that's the part of baseball right now forget the rule changes, forget all that stuff, the appreciation of history as we're talking about today, albeit, you know, a, a positive within a negative, like, like we're talking about with, with New York coming together. It's uh baseball's dropping the ball, pardon the pun on that stuff. 
So it goes, Dave. We're starting to sound like old people. Maybe we should move on to the uh, the playoffs. Yeah, let's get to the playoff uh, playoff picture for us here. And the uh, as you phrase it, I, I won't paraphrase it for you, but I'll let you dive into that component for us. Sure. I thought we'd talk about the expanded playoffs because it's only the second year that we've been doing this. So a little primer on how they work, who gets a buy. How does the wild card work and how many teams get in? And if you were wondering how many teams get in, I think it's about 462 teams make it to the playoffs now. Yeah, give or take a few. It's yeah. uh, everybody who everybody who has a uniform gets to come. <laughs> so as you know, we have our two leagues. So six teams from each league make it into the playoffs. And we have three divisions in each league. So each division winner gets to advance to the playoffs. And then the three teams with the next best records, regardless of their division, get to go to the playoffs as the wild cards. And that's the setup. And then how it proceeds is a little bit messy and you don't have to remember it all. As you know, the most important thing is that you enjoy the game while eating your favorite food. But if you feel like knowing how it works, the two division winners with the two best records in each league get to skip the first round of the playoffs with a bye. Who's that right now? Do you, do you have that in front of you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so in the NL, that's going to be the Braves and the Dodgers. Yeah. And uh, in the AL, that's probably going to be the Orioles and the Astros, if it were today. Yeah. Um, Tampa so, Bay is nipping on their heels right now, the Orioles. Oh, my God. The Orioles and the, the wild cards, especially in the NL. We'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, they're, you can't keep track of it because it's like splitting hairs at this point. But so those two teams with the, the two division winners with the best records get to skip the first round. And then the four other playoff teams in each league, so that's the third division winner and the three wild cards, compete in the wild card series, which is best of three. There is no more one game playoff for the wild card. Yeah, that was an interesting setup. It's again you wanna you wanna give the advantage, obviously the teams and value the regular season, although the, the number of teams that get in devalues it, I think, when we take a look at it as a whole. But once you throw that one game playoff, you throw that number one obviously to get get out of the first round, that sets you back going into the next round of playoffs because you may not get to come back with your number one in the second round. Well, it's true. It's always good to have uh, pitchers who can pitch on short rest when it comes to the playoffs. And those two teams who prevail in the wild card series face the two division winners who got the bye in the division series. And that's a best of five. And then you kind of get back to normal. Then it's like the playoffs we grew up with. Um, you have the two teams that prevailed in the division series play each other for the league championship series, as they kind of call it now. I mean, I think they always called it that, but I'm on a one woman crusade to maintain the word pennant um, because I think it's a nice old timey word. And I still like to hear that a team won the pennant. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I kind of cling to that as well. So I'm, I'm gathering, um, from from how you're presenting it, you're not a, you're not a fan of the expanded playoffs. Well, here's the thing, Dave, is everything's got an on the other hand. So what I don't like about the expanded playoffs is I think it dilutes the privilege of the playoffs because, like you said, it devalues the regular season. You have all these teams getting in. You have almost half of the teams getting in, and. Technically, it hasn't happened yet, but technically you could have a team that has a losing record be in the playoffs. And I know football has been like this for years, but yeah. baseball hadn't been. And I kind of liked that. But then I go to my on the other hand, and I have to say that last year in that first wild card round, when we had a few games where there were four, we had a few days when there were four playoff games going on. And I was just in a little bit of baseball heaven because there was just so much baseball. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the positive of it. Now, the whole world stops in March when March Madness comes about with the NCAA tournament. I mean, it, and I guess that's a, that's a one and done situation. So a little bit more drama. 
do you liken the the MLB to to the NCAA tournament anyway? I do, and I dropped a vid on this last week, and I hope our listeners will go check it out on my Instagram and Twitter handle Three Inning Fan, and also Facebook Three Inning Fan LLC. But it really has become a tournament akin to the NCAA baseball tournament. So, you know, last year we saw the Phillies make the playoffs with 87 wins. They beat the Cardinals in the wild card round. Remember, the Cardinals were good last year. Then they beat the 101 win Braves in the division series. They stunned the Braves. And then they went on to win the pennant. The Phillies made it to the World Series last year as a wild card with 87 wins. Yeah. The, the Braves, they had gotten a bye in the first round, and then they lost to the Phils 3-1. to one. The Braves only got one postseason win last year. Yeah, and you, you kind of hope they, with the season they've had this year, that they they go a little bit deeper because that would be a shame. I, I always want to see, and this, this is where I differ, I think, from the NCAA tournament people that love it, maybe because I, I coached in it, but the um, I don't get too pumped up about the Cinderella. It's fun to watch, but when when it gets down to it uh, toward the end, usually the best teams are still around. You're not dealing with too many, you know, 12 seeds, although lately there's, there's because of the transfer portal, it's been a little bit more even, but with baseball, different though, as you said, the Phillies made it out of there with the, with the wild card. And maybe it's because they play more games. Uh, it's the best out of five. So it kind of evens out or best out of three, depending upon the round and then best out of seven. But um, yeah. What about the positives? What, what positives do you see in it for fans anyway? Well, I think that more teams are involved and that makes it more interesting when your team's involved. So you're keeping fans interested. And we had, we saw the repercussions really start around the trade deadline, I think, because we had more teams on the bubble, as we talked about in our trade deadline shows. You had the Cubs who looked like they were ready to trade Cody Bellinger and throw in the towel. Everyone thought Cody Bellinger's going to the Yankees. But then they went on a hot streak that week before the trade deadline and they didn't trade anyone. And now they're in the wild card hunt. Yeah. So there are repercussions. And then on the other side of it, look at the Angels. They were in the mix at the trade deadline. We've been through that six ways from Sunday. And then they did a face plant. But from the fans' point of view, you have these teams that are still in it. And. This is a nice little tidbit I came across, and I have to credit Kendall Baker of Yahoo Sports because I'm on uh, the newsletter there. And this was kind of cool. Kendall was saying that you have cities that have their baseball team still in it and an unbeaten football team. And that's Philly, uh, the Baltimore, San Francisco, Atlanta, Miami. Dallas, you know, if you want to say Dallas slash Arlington, which would be the Cowboys and then the uh, Rangers, yep. and Tampa Bay. So you've got some cities that have some good sports going on right now. Oh, yeah. Well, if San Francisco could ever pick it up, they'd uh, they'd be all right, too. Yeah, That's they're all- out of it now. They're three games back of the wild card, I think, this morning. Yeah. We, yeah, so I, I the, the part that we talked about, I think, and I think, unfortunately, the Angels listened to us and kept Otani and Trout. Now it looks like they'll both be on the move um, because of the face plant. But with the, it allows for teams to get more active right around that trade deadline, which again, I, I'm, I'm more, I, I like it. I like the smaller, I like the, the uh, more exclusive playoffs where there's not as many teams. And I guess that probably caters to um, that uh, diehard serious, but the, 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 the fans, I guess that are paying the bills, are, are loving this expanded playoff. Have you seen the language change? You talked about the similarities between the playoff system and the NCAA tournament and in our world today, that's the first thing to pay attention to. Do you see MLB changing the language of their postseason to resemble that of what is a tournament now? You know, I think you just nailed it when you talked about Cinderella teams, the Phillies were kind of a Cinderella team last year, and that's definitely a tournament language. And the other thing I've noted, and I don't know if you've seen this, But MLB has started using the word seeds to designate the ranking of the division winners and the wild cards. And that's definitely tournament language. It is. Yeah, you're right. And I guess I was guilty of it um, 
unintentionally by calling Cinderella. The so with with the tournament structure now, uh, how how would the playoffs look today? And then once the first round is done, is there any is there any restructuring that happens? It, it, how how does that work? If we went today in the uh, NL, the Braves and Dodgers would get a bye. The Brewers would be the number three seed, if we can use that language, because, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. The Brewers would play the Cubs in a wild card series. The Phillies and the D-backs would play in a wild card series. And then in the AL, you'd have Orioles and Astros getting a bye. Twins playing the Mariners in the wild card and the Rays and Blue Jays playing in the wild card. So what's interesting about this AL scenario is you had the twins, you know, for a lot of the year, they weren't that good. I think they're actually around 520, playing about 526 ball now. I just looked there at 529. So that's not awful, but it's not that great. So you almost have to wonder in the American League, if you're better off being the number six seed uh, as opposed to the four or five, because you get to play the twins in the first round. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I got a chance to watch the twins a little bit this year and you're right. They, they've been, they've been, I mean, they played pretty much similar baseball year uh, flown under the radar. The, the other team I watched last night, who seems to be peaking right now and making a run is Toronto. Uh, I watched them play the Yankees last night and uh, Michael King, he was he went into the eighth, I think, with a one hitter. They took him out, or not? Uh, yeah, one hitter, fourteen strikeout. He, he was killing it. They took him out, and the the bullpen imploded on itself. Uh, but Toronto looked good swinging the bat. Uh, young team. Uh, they had their their big star Manoa, pitching star Manoa, go down has never returned. He had a hard time adjusting the pitch clock. So I'd keep an eye out for Toronto. Do, do you have a do you have a team on either side that you think is? prime like the Phillies were last year to peak peak at this postseason bracket time? You know, when you see teams like the Braves and the Dodgers, it's so hard to bet against them. I mean, they're just so good. And I know we might have said that about the Braves last year, but I would be stunned if they didn't win the pennant this year. I'd be stunned. Yeah, they're, they're playing great baseball. Um the stars are playing like stars. Knock on wood, everybody's healthy that they, they need. Albies was out for a little bit during the year. But they've got some – and they've got those guys. You talked about it on one of your, your previous shows about their strategy to lock these young guys up for a long time. And continuity and health and knowing your role uh, are very important in baseball. And the Braves seem to get it right now. I'd like to see a lot of other teams follow suit with that. So you're picking the Braves, you think, to make it to the World Series on the – well, the only good thing about my predictions, Dave, is that they're 100% accurate if you bet against everything I predict. Yeah. So, no. yeah, I'll predict the Braves, and then everyone should go bet against that and make a ton of money. Yeah. Um, what, what about uh, in the American League? Well, the Orioles are a wonderful team. They're also a young team, and I think that can cut both ways, you know. It means that maybe they won't be intimidated because they don't have the baggage of those of us who have been around a long time. But sometimes experience counts for something. Yeah. They call that young and dumb. They don't know any better. So they uh, they get out there and just play. I, I love watching the Orioles, too. Uh, you know, they got the kid Rouchman behind the plate, who's had a phenomenal year again, switch batter, sitting leadoff for him sometimes. And then um, drawing a blank on their shortstop's name right now. Um, uh, is that Gunnar Henderson? Gunnar Henderson, yep. Uh, twenty, I think he had 27 homers. Uh, great year for a rookie this year as a shortstop. He's got a fine career from Selma, Alabama. How about that? That's the birthplace of the civil rights movement. Absolutely. Yep. So he uh, he's had a great year. And they've got a – I like their bullpen too. Uh, they, they've got a strong bullpen. And to me, that's what gets it, gets it done in the postseason. We all remember back in the day when the Yanks marched out Mariano, Mariano Rivera in the 7th and 8th and Wetland in the ninth. When they had that. Yeah, people forget. Yep. Vera was the setup guy. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the Yankees had to face their former setup guy last night, Chad Green, who, who mowed him down with Toronto. He's now with the Blue Jays along with Don Mattingly. So they got to see some familiar faces. Um, any any players you, you're excited to watch? And obviously being, a, in, in, I guess, in and around New York, 
people are craving for the Yankees and Mets. We'll have to wait for next year for that. But any players in particular that you're excited to see um, come playoff time as a fan? Well, that's a really interesting question. You were just talking about the Orioles, and it actually made me think about how excited I am to see, um, I almost said Matt Holiday. It's Jackson Holiday. Matt's his dad. See yeah. Jackson Holiday next year. Yeah, I was, was hoping he'd be, be brought up this year. That was the talk. Um, but don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, now it's it's very late in the game and probably not. But, yeah, he's, he's still a baby. Uh, so people who've seen him around the game, reputable scouts, Talk about him being one of the, the the top prospects at that age that they've ever seen, the most most polished. So doesn't hurt that you know Dad had been there and done that, and he's uh, you know a good strong kid and plays a, a viable position at shortstop. I don't know that they'll convert him. He seems to be moving up the line as a shortstop, but yeah, he's he's going to be another exciting addition. The part that bothers me though with the Orioles, and I know the Astros did this years ago. People forget that you know they, they had there was years before Altuve is the Orioles spent a good amount of time tanking, if you want to call it that. And, you know, when you tank, you get top draft picks. Uh, so I'm glad they're winning now. Hopefully they get used to that and they start adding some viable free agents and keep these young kids home. I don't know. Did you hear the comments that Peter Angelos made about he was asked if, uh, are you going to, how do you plan on keeping these young guys together? Yeah. Yeah. I was in the interview with Tyler Kepner of the New York Times, which was a really good interview. He said, basically, he's going to raise ticket prices dramatically or else not keep them. Awesome. His marketing people should have put a handkerchief over his mouth there and pulled him off the stage because that's, I mean, that's the best way to disenfranchise a, a fan base right at the time that they're probably the most excited they've been in 15 years. Well, he, I don't think, at least as of a few weeks ago, he had not renewed the lease at for Camden Yards, which expires at the end of the year. I would very much like to see him ink his young stars to long-term deals like the Braves. Oh, my God, yeah. But he, I think, is wanting to develop the area around Camden Yards, a la the Atlanta Braves and how they did around Truist Park in Atlanta, which I haven't seen, but I guess it's quite nice. Well, yeah, they moved it out of downtown Atlanta into a, a, a nicer suburb area. So they they didn't do a lot of reclamation around the original field, but the new field, yeah, they, they plopped it right into the middle of um, uh, an upper middle class neighborhood. So it was kind of ready-made. I hope he keeps Camden where it's at because it's a beautiful ballpark and um, maybe uh, work with some of the city leaders to build up community and, and keep it there because loyal fan base. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see him bring a family. I'm not sure if they know the name up there in Baltimore, the Ripken family. It'd be nice to bring them into some ownership uh, possibilities and get that history back to Baltimore. Indeed, indeed. Ryan Ripken's been on your show, hasn't he? Ryan has. Yeah, he was a very good guest. He was, uh, again, we, we, we tend to get our guests tend to be very open and honest about uh, their careers and growing up, you know, whatever capacity they did and uh, very articulate. He's he's uh, budding on a media career himself, all sports, though. He's, he's more into football, to be honest. He's heavy into the football stuff right now and I think working with a local network up in his area. But yeah, one, wonderful young man. He's got a bright future in front of him, very articulate. Um, he's got the, he's got the personality to, to do very well in the media business. He's uh, very direct, very smart. I told me short sentences and strong verbs are his, his, uh, forte. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be a good one. Yeah. We're connected on Twitter, uh, ever since you interviewed him actually, um, because I was impressed by him as well. And I enjoy his, uh, following. Yeah, no, he's great. So what are we missing about the playoffs? What didn't we cover? for our audience that, that you, uh, you may well, want to. I, I think we covered it pretty well. I would just have everybody keep their eye on this NL wild card because you essentially have six teams vying for three spots. You got Philly, Arizona, the Cubs, Miami, Cincinnati. And if you want to say San Francisco, San Francisco's three games out, those six teams are vying for three spots and there are some good matchups coming and you can't predict which way it's going to go because they're all, you know, a half a game, one game apart. Oh yeah. Well, we've got a strong Miami contingency as a show, as show listeners, uh, Joe Frazero tries to bring that on. So 
if Miami makes it, that would be nice for our, our show. We'll be able to get some of those guys back on. But, uh, you know, Cincinnati's got Ellie De La Cruz. I've enjoyed watching him uh, play. And uh, I, I know the minor league coordinator for Cincinnati was Sean Pender. So I'm, I'm kind of pulling for them. They've come a long way in a year. They were they they were dead last last year, and they've, they've made a good comeback uh, this year. I tell you, my sleeper team to watch in the playoffs, I'm going to throw it out. So I'm, I'm kind of like you. People want to make money, bet against it. But uh, I like the Brewers. I like how their pitching staff is set up. Um, I, I, they've used Yelich in a unique way as a leadoff guy, which I never would have thought for him. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm eyeing the Brewers in the playoffs. Not their pitching staff is great. They got Woodruff. They got Peralta. Uh, I think that is an interesting pick. And they've never won a World Series. Yeah, they and we we do have a inside insider from there. Jim Rooney was the longtime pitching coordinator. He's one of our co-hosts on Toe the Rubber. Um, he, his show will be tomorrow, but he was the longtime pitching coordinator, longtime scouting coordinator uh, for the Brewers. So he's got some intimate knowledge and had a strong hand in developing that that pitching staff and and uh, evaluating signing uh, this this staff as well. So kind of pulling for them uh, in a way, just because. Again, I think strong pitching gets it done. But I also like watching the Cubs. I love watching Co- – I'm glad Bellinger's made a comeback. I was sad to see him the last couple of years. He, he tinkered with his swing. He went to that Ferris wheel type of uh, barrel dump, and it killed him. And now he's back to just making contact, putting the ball in play. And what a tremendous athlete. And, and fans, if you want a guy to watch, he may not be a regular everyday name, watch Nico Horner. He was, a, I thought, a gold glove shortstop. With the Cubs, they moved him over to second. He's a gold glove second baseman, hitting close to 300. If you like old school style of baseball, Nico Horner is a fun guy to watch with the Cubs. Thanks for the tip. And on Bellinger, it is incredible to think that he was non-tendered by the Dodgers last year. And I'm glad he had a great year and he was smart to just do a one-year deal with the Cubs to get his sea legs back. He proved all the haters wrong and he will get a big contract this offseason hopefully by the New York Yankees. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. Gold glove first baseman and center fielder. We could always use one of them without a doubt. Well, um, is it time to bring on your special guest here? Oh, yes. Let me go get um, my special guest. And I could use the intercom system, but I prefer to just yell out the door because I'm old school. So hold on. Are we going to time her coming in? <laughs> right. Then I'm going to send you a bill. See, see what her 60 time is. Are you ready? Come on in. So, Dave, I and our listeners, I'd like to introduce you to our paralegal, Victoria, and she is going to be our guest closer on the pod today during our segment, What's Good to Eat While Watching a Ball Game. Dave, say hi to Victoria. Victoria, how are you? I've got a couple questions for you before we uh, okay. not gonna let you off this easy. Oh, no. <laughs> So your, your your official role with the law firm is you're a paralegal. I am. Okay, explain to our audience what a paralegal does because we we have we have fifty thousand subscribers, seventy four countries. We have tons of young kids out there that want to get involved in baseball in some capacity, but people don't realize that baseball not only do they have shortstops and pitchers, but they also have accountants and lawyers and paralegals. And so explain the audience just briefly what what a paralegal does. And and um, I've got a couple other questions if Kelly doesn't mind. For sure. Uh, Basically, my main role is just to support the attorneys here in the office uh, with calendar scheduling, keeping track of documents for uh, closings and hearings, replying to emails, making phone calls, just assisting and supporting in any way I can. Yep. And I have to say, Victoria's being a little bit modest here because <laughs> she is, she liaises with us for the courts and with clients. But one of the best things she does, and she sounds like a sweetheart right here, I'm sure you're thinking, oh, what a nice gal. But let me tell you, if some kind of copier salesman or something comes in here, <laughs> she is like a brick wall. <laughs> Nobody can get past her. No, that's been valuable. I'm giving you a chance because you could use this broadcast. If you go in for the end of the year raise, you can use this as a pump up because I can, I can supply you with the number of listeners that you, you you boosted this show because of your appearance at the end here as the closer. I, I'm sorry, Dave, you're cracking up. I can't hear you. Oh, I know. I, I assume so. I assume so. The, uh, 
this will be somehow expunged from the record and it won't be won't be a part of the the uh, the, the judge will toss it out without question. What um, now? Who's your favorite team? Baseball team. Well, I'm from originally from New York, so definitely the Yankees. Okay, good deal. Uh, what is your thoughts on Cashman and Boone? Well, <laughs> so Cashman, the general manager, okay, and Aaron Boone is the the manager. Well, okay, it's actually this is worth telling a little story about Victoria from last year. Okay, so I come into the office one day and she knows I'm a baseball fan, and she said. Did you notice that Aaron Boone got his two front teeth fixed? They, he looks really good. And I said, oh, I didn't notice that. Well, thanks for pointing it out. And then I said, what do you think of his home run chase? And she said, what home run chase? So Victoria notices the things that we don't notice about the game. That's why we have you on, because we, as we talked about in the beginning, Kelly and I were talking about you know, the, how historical baseball was and how it contributed positively to our movement from the 9-11 tragedy. And then somehow I derailed us and took us into some part in left field. That's what we do as baseball nuts. But we need people like yourself to keep us grounded and on, on some of the other things in baseball. So Cashman, the general manager, Boone, they're talking about, you know, the Yankees are looking to, you know, they talk about, they talk about firing those guys every day in the newspaper. So you're probably healthier for not being engaging in those those conversations. Do you have a favorite player with the Yankees? Well, you know, I don't want to sound like the rest of the world, but I love my my judge. Oh, it's hard not to. He's a and she loves his teeth. Yes, he does have good teeth. He does. Um, yeah, he's a baseball fan. Um, really, because of my son, you know, he played baseball little league all the way up through into high school. Oh, nice. And, you know, I'm not uh, into as much as like Kelly, like she she gets me up to date on a lot of things. But um, I definitely was introduced to the game really through my son. You yeah. know, prior to him, I didn't really watch. I didn't know the game, but I definitely learned a lot through uh, Little League and my son being an enthusiast of uh, all the uh, – pitchers okay so he was a pitcher he was a pitcher in high school so he used to just watch these guys and watch their stance and you know how far back the the leg goes and don't bend your knee and bring your elbow up and there were it, i never knew there was such a physical strength in so much that comes into playing the game and i learned and respect and started to get a real respect for the players and, and believe it or not from a teenager who pointed so much out to me you just really don't know what it takes to be such a strong player it's amazing what these guys do on the field every day well i think it's that's a great message to our parents out there who a lot of our baseball parents they get crazy pushing 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 with these oh, kids sure. we just enter their world a little bit and find out what they like and how they see it it's, it, it builds for a better connection and as a result, you're a Yankee fan and you're noticing, I mean, I didn't notice Aaron Boone's teeth. I didn't even, if you asked me if he had teeth, I would just guess and say yes, because I don't even look at that stuff. But um, no, it's uh, it's good. And what's your son's name? Brandon. Brandon. And is he, what, what does he do now? Right now he's an electrician. Okay, good deal. But, um, it was fun, fun years of baseball for sure. Well, that's good. That's good. Did, did, did he have a favorite player? You know, he, he went back and forth with the players on the Yankee team, you know, but I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of Babe Ruth still in his room. Okay. That's good. So you may have some collectibles in there. You may want to go in there and see. Oh, for sure. There's pictures on the wall that is like, you know, don't touch these. Don't even clean them, mom. Just leave them alone. (laughs) Does does he have better teeth than Aaron Boone? He does. Oh, good. Important stuff. The uh, okay. Sorry, Kelly. Again, I derail things sometimes, but bring bring it back to your your question for for uh, Victoria here. What what she's going to close our show today with your famous end of the show question? Yeah. So, Victoria, what do you like to eat while you're watching a ball game? Well, I will start off by saying that getting everyone together to actually sit and watch game sometimes is a challenge. So, when we have a set plan. 
to kind of hang out and watch the game together, I kind of go overboard and cook like a Thanksgiving meal, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of uh, a nice thing to get together. So I start off the day with putting some pulled pork in the uh, slow cooker. And so the house is filled with those nice aromas. Just a reminder, we're watching the game tonight. Don't disappear. And of course, we have to have French fries with pulled pork sandwiches, but no ordinary fries. We go all out and I make potato skin fries. And that includes all the cheese and the bacon and the sour cream, all the work stacked up. You know, another... Uh, can't go uh, average. And of course, because you just have to, hot dogs. And what goes with the hot dogs is always fried sauerkraut and spicy mustard. And in between all of that, we have every chip and dip you can imagine. And if the Yankees are winning, we have to end this night with a special dessert of the classic root beer float. My guys love them. And then after the food overload, I usually have to wake them up and tell them to go to bed. <laughs> or go home, right? Wow, that that is a tremendous meal, Victoria. And Dave, that sounds like a meal that you might enjoy. Yeah, I, I, I heard the qualifier, though, which I kind of appreciate. If the Yankees are winning, they get dessert. If they don't win, they don't. And <laughs> Great. Sounds yeah. a lot like my house when I was a kid, whether we won or lost, you, you lose. <laughs> Sometimes I felt like we were on the Jenny Craig diet if we weren't winning games. But uh, <laughs> no, it sounds, uh, I was expecting, you know, you said New York. I, 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 I was expecting a hint of Italian in there, but the pulled pork uh, brings me back down to the south. I'm a New Yorker, moved south, so love the pulled pork. I can appreciate the potato skin fries and root beer float. float. I mean, if you're, if you're American, everybody loves the root beer float. So mm -hmm. I think that's a winner. I would probably skip right to that on a lot of occasions and just, uh, assume the Yanks are going to win and get me that root beer float up front. And so there you go. There's our special guest. Dave, I'd like to thank you for uh, helping me welcome Victoria. Yeah. Sorry to put you under stress, Victoria. I know you weren't prepared for those questions, but I, I tend to do that sometimes, but you did great. We're glad to have you on. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the potential raise. I, I thought I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'll I think I I'll hit record. Keep this in <laughs> keep this in many uh different uh <laughs> No, it sounds like a fun office and uh any, anything anything family is always fun like that. And for them to bring you in, obviously they think of you as family. So um I think it sounds like you got a good thing there, uh without a doubt. So wish you wish you luck with that. And I'm assuming is that I mean your family is probably gonna hear this show because it's gonna be produced today. So I would imagine you're going to have a house full of guests today, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I better get those potato skins started. Yeah, <laughs> people are going to want some food at Victoria's house. You got to leave work early today. So. Oh, I, I, hey, Dave, I'm liking you more and more, I'll tell you. I'm not paying the bills there, so it's not. I can say what I want, right? But, uh, right there's a copier salesman here. Victoria's got to go kick his butt. Kick him out, right? Thanks, good Bye, okay. Victoria. Kelly, remind our audience how they can find you on social media and, and about your your posts that you go on there and, and how we can support it. Sure, Dave. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at 3inningfan, all one word. Three is spelled out. Or if they're on Facebook, just put 3inningfan into the search bar. And you can catch my videos, which are called the Three Inning Minute. And it means once a week, in a minute, you can learn something new about the game. Yeah. And I think our, our audience is uh, very into that stuff. And it's, 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 it's great because it's bite-sized. They can grab onto it and, and it's, it's, there's no fat on it at all, which is, which is, I think what everybody appreciates because social media right now is too much fat on there. So your stuff is right to the point. So very well received, very well appreciated. And I learn something every time I turn it on too. Well, thanks for saying that. And I am also accepting uh, invitations for speaking engagements for the spring. And I have a super exciting speaking engagement coming up this November, where at the Norwalk Public Library to benefit the Lockwood Matthews Mansion, which is a, um, a Norwalk, Connecticut institution, I'm going to be speaking with Ron Darling. Oh, sweet. That should be a fun, 
fun. Uh, now, are you interviewing him or are you speaking alongside him before him, after him? How's that working? Working out of format. I'm pretty aware that if I'm on a stage with Ron Darling, people are probably going to want to hear more from Ron than from me. So I think I might be more of a, a moderator. And I'm going to have another fellow on the stage with me named Bob Weirs, and he worked for Bowie Kuhn for about a decade. So it's going to be fascinating to hear his perspective as well. That'll be great. Two fantastic guests. And uh, if you get to know him well enough, maybe we can bring him on the show as a guest of yours here. If uh, if they flow well enough with you as a moderator there. That sounds great. Yep. Uh, Darling, obviously Yale graduate, tremendous career with the Mets and uh, great. I love, I love listening to him as a commentator. So he is the best in the booth. I learned something from that booth every time I tune in. Yeah. Him and him and David Cohn. I, I like, uh, and obviously on opposite sides of baseball, but uh, with the Yankees and Mets, but uh, both, both tremendous baseball people. So I well, wish you luck with that. As it gets closer, we'll certainly promote that as well. And uh, love the show, love the preparation for it. Uh, people have no idea the notes I get from Kelly to detailed. You can imagine being an attorney. Um, she's right down to the, to the minute on things, as long as I don't derail it with my, uh, with myself, which I do in every show. So it's, uh, I tell her, I ask one or two selfish questions and um, poor Sal's got to deal with that the most, I think. But uh, a great show today, Kelly. I think, uh, you know, we got episode 288 right now, a date in October. We're getting close to October, so uh, with KFT. So we're uh, we're excited to see the playoff run. Thanks for explaining it to our audience today. And they heard your picks. They know not to bet on those. As that was your disclaimer. Yep. Um, got Victoria on as a special guest. She's, you now have a celebrity in your office, so good luck handling that. Uh, she's going to be heard by 74 countries, 50,000 people. So she may start getting fan mail within the office. Does she have a social media platform we want to tag for the show? I don't think she does. All right. Good for her. She's probably healthier for it. But uh, with that, anything left you want to leave the audience with today? I just that I hope to talk to everybody again soon. Yep. We'll see you maybe in October, right? Is that two weeks from now? We're going to have a date in October. Yeah, finally, we get sure. to that title. Well, good deal. Well, Kelly, thanks. Great job. And our audience, 50,000 plus subscribers, newest podcast stream on iHeartRadio. 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. Thanks for supporting Real Voices of the Game, specifically this show, a date in October with KFT. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Give Kelly five stars today. Make sure you put comments in the, in the comment section, good ones. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks with this show. Thanks, Kelly.